Recovery Elevator, episode 144. You know, why, why, why am I doing this? You know, this isn't because I want to be doing it. This isn't because, you know, like most people, I don't absolutely love the taste of red wine. I'm doing it. You know, the realization eventually hits you're doing it because it's addictive and it's a drug. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, I've been sober for just over 39 months. On today's podcast, we've got Dan. He's from 20 miles outside of London. At the time of the recording, he's been sober for 66 days, and he says he's feeling great. And before we get any further, let's hear from Cafe RE. The most important thing I've learned while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me, I tried for over two years, and it was painful. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group 24 hours a day. There, you can get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For $14 a month, you can join the conversation, be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend online meetups, attend in-person Cafe R meetups, and participate in book club. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. I want to give a shout out to James out there on the East Coast. Congratulations on one year of sobriety. Listeners, I interviewed James on episode 105. At the time of that recording, he had about 75 days of sobriety. I had the pleasure of meeting this guy in person at the Recovery Elevator Retreat in Bozeman, Montana. Just saw his registration for Peru. James, nice job. Congratulations. You earned this, and I hope you celebrate. For many of us, the gauntlet begins, and I'm referring to the holiday season. This podcast episode comes out on Monday, November 20th, just a couple days before Thursday. That is Thanksgiving, and it can be a tough day for a lot of people. It can also be an incredible day filled with gratitude, and that's what I want to focus on with today's podcast episode. Now, before we talk about gratitude, let's learn a little bit about the holiday Thanksgiving itself. Let's do a little true or false here. Okay, true or false. The original Thanksgiving feast took place on the fourth Thursday of November. This is a fact. This is true. The original feast in 1621 occurred sometime between September 21st and November 11th. Unlike our modern holiday, it was three days long. Way to go, pilgrims. Okay, true or false. Native Americans and pilgrims were solid pals. This is going to be a big false. Pilgrims in Massachusetts were far from friendly. Soon after arriving in Plymouth, Massachusetts, pilgrims went into Indians' dwellings in the cornfields and they just took whatever they wanted. Yeah, they were not solid pals after the pilgrims pulled that stunt. True or false, Thanksgiving is founded upon the principle that Native Americans and pilgrims came together to give thanks and to celebrate. Well, as Huffington Post's Richard Schiffman puts it, this still remains an open question. In 1621, when the pilgrims were celebrating a successful harvest, they were shooting guns and cannons into the air. The Wampanoag chief and 90 warriors made their way to the settlement in full warrior mode in response, yeah, to the gunfire. Apparently, no one really wanted to fight, so they had a meal together. Okay, let's get started. I want to read two quotes here for you about gratitude. 
a much-admired Hindi guru called Nisargadatta Marahaj told his followers that the key to happiness is gratitude. People become unhappy because they have things they do not want, and they want things they do not have. The way to be happy is to change this thinking so that people want what they have and do not want what they don't have. If people can feel gratitude for their life at this moment, they can avoid much suffering. And this next quote is from Cynthia Ozick. We often take for granted the very things that most deserve our gratitude. So what is gratitude and, and how can this help us get and stay sober? The point of this is for us to get outside of our own headspace. It's difficult to be in a bad mood, to be angry when you're feeling intense gratitude for something. I encourage you to try this out. Press pause on this podcast and just think. Think about what you're thankful for. I don't know about you, but this always results in a quick pick-me-up in my day. In my opinion, this is a tough one. My first sponsor told me to write in a gratitude notebook every single day, to put at least 10 things in that notebook. Man, was that hard to do. In fact, I rarely could come up with 10 things that I was grateful for. This is not an easy exercise. But service and gratitude go hand in hand. Again, this is getting you outside of your own mindset where that stinking thinking can really take place. I personally practice gratitude often. Not every day, but I've got a black notepad that sits on my dining room table and usually in the morning times I'll jot some things in there. It's such a good way to get the day started off right. And here's my challenge to you. Get this holiday Thanksgiving week started off right. Write 10 things for 10 days that you're thankful for. That's going to be 100 total things. There can be repeats in there, just whatever comes to mind at that given time. But try to get into a routine. Do it at night. Do it in the morning. But do it somewhere where you can be present and clear in the moment. Maybe get creative. Be thankful for something that you've totally taken for granted your whole life, like your kidneys or your spleen. Or the ability to digest an overdose of vitamin D in less than six hours with no professional medical help. And after 10 days, after you've got 100 items on this list, I want you to review the list. Some pretty cool themes and trends will emerge. And this is where our attention and energy needs to be focused. Did you find that your $3,000 outboard bass fishing motor made the list more than once? Did you find your $3,000 suit, that's an Arrested Development reference, made the list more than once? Probably not. So that is my challenge to you. 10 days, 100 items of gratitude. You know what? Email that to me when you're done. Paul at recoveryelevator.com. I can't wait to see what you guys are thankful for. And whether you like it or not, gratitude is a big part of recovery. In 2017, yes, I've searched for the cure for alcoholism in tablet form, but I haven't found it. Having gratitude and simply writing it down in a journal is pretty darn effective. Who knows? Maybe 100 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, are you serious? That was actually an effective form of treatment? Well, I don't know. Don't really care. I enjoy it. It always puts me in the right mindset. And if you stick around after the interview, I'm going to read my gratitude list, what I'm thankful for around the holidays. So enough out of me. Let's hear from Dan. Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking, Dan. Let's get right into it. How long have you been sober? Uh, today, I am 66 days sober. 66 days. Congratulations, Dan. How's that feel? Yeah, it feels good. I feel, I feel great. Yeah, 66 days, if I'm being honest, have absolutely flown by. 
so yeah, I feel I feel really good, really good. Yeah, the minutes and the hours sometimes go by so slow, but then when you get a couple of days, you look back and it's like, man, I've just got 15, 30, 45, 66 days. Nice job, Dan. And before we get any further, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, how old are you, are you married, do you have a family, and you know what uh, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs> so I live in a, a town called Guildford, which is about 30 minutes outside of London. I've got two little boys, Sebastian and Felix, who are four and seven years old. And I live with my girlfriend, Becky, who's got two little girls who are nine and six. So we've got four children between us under the age of nine. So it's, uh, yeah, it's lively at times, um, but we love it. We wouldn't have it any other way. For fun, it's a bit different now than it was 66 days ago. But for fun, I enjoy working out, going to the gym, enjoy swimming. I'm desperately trying to learn how to play the guitar, but I've got sausages for fingers. So it's... <laughs> It's a bit of a struggle, but I'm, I'm persevering. I've got a friend of mine who owns a guitar shop, and he does lots of stuff on YouTube. So it's uh, it's inspiring. So I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar, um, yeah, and just spending time with family and friends, really. Gotcha. What, what do you do for work? I work in schools, so primary schools, which over here in the UK is aged between like four years old and 11 year, 11 year olds. And I deliver health and fitness workshops, funny enough. So lots of exercise to music, lots of coaching, talking about food and fruit and veg and water. So... Yeah, I love it. I love my job. We go, you know, I go into schools and see four or five classes a day, 200 children a day. Yeah, it's good. Love it. Yeah, that sounds awesome, but it also sounds exhausting. And I can't imagine doing that with a hangover. <laughs> yeah. Now, as the conversation goes on, we, you'll learn more about it. But with me and my drinking, it was never, you know, I never missed a day of work and never got, you know, any drink driving, anything like that. It never really got to the point where it was affecting my work. Until I, until I completely stop drinking, you don't realize that, yeah, okay, you're at work, you're not missing work, you're on time. In fact, you know, it's a running joke, I'm early everywhere I go. But until you actually stop drinking anything at all, so no drinking at all, you don't realize how crappy you feel or how tired you feel. And um, just in the last you know, couple of months, just the difference in, in how I feel on day to day, is, is, it shocked me, to be honest. Yeah, and we, we'll, get it, we'll get more into that, but let's back it up a little bit. And, you know, talk to me when you first started to realize that, man, perhaps I don't drink normally. Probably a long time ago, to be, to be honest. I think it was just, you know, I, nearly 40 years old. I'm 40 in March. And the days of me going out with the lads into town, you know, having, you know, more than a few beers are long gone. You know, we've all got families now. We've all got, you know, careers. And so those days are long gone. So you, you don't really, or I can't speak for anyone else, but I don't really go out and have those those nights out anymore or very very rarely so what happened was it was just i would be at home and uh, at home it would it would be red wine so a, bo a bo bottle of red wine and at weekends it would be a bottle of red wine and a few bottles of beer and i think probably about six months to a year ago i started thinking what why am i why am i sitting here drinking a bottle of red wine you know wh wh why am i doing that and it and it wasn't a case of i was having it because i had a you know mental craving for it or I desperately needed it. It was just because that's what I did. So, you know, I was sitting at home and whether we were watching something on TV or something on Netflix or doing something else, whatever it was, there would be a bottle of red wine there. Yeah, I suppose it was about that time ago, like I say, a year ago, six months ago, I started thinking to myself, you know, with the help of Becky, my girlfriend, because she, she very rarely drinks, you know, why, why, why am I doing this? You know, this isn't because I want to be doing it. This isn't because, you know, like most people, I don't absolutely love the taste of red wine. I'm doing it. You know, the realization eventually hits you're doing it because it's addictive and it's a drug. Bingo. Spot on. It's a drug. It's addictive. 
and you're doing it because yeah you're not going for like the sangiovese grape flavors and all that stuff no you're doing it because it's an addictive drug and you mentioned you know we had a bottle of wine but then you mentioned your your girlfriend becky rarely drinks was it something that you you know you'd finish the bottle of wine was this a nightly thing oh yeah yeah i mean i used to it would be five or six nights a week i'd always have mondays off just it's one of those things i'd have mondays off and then you know i'm a big i'm a big guy i'm six four i weigh 225 pounds and a bottle of red wine was you know it was a running joke with becky you know you don't have to finish the bottle but for me it was three or four glasses and the bottle's gone you know at the end of it you you don't think you feel buzzed or you don't think you're getting you know drunk or you know what we call pissed over here but it was just yeah there's a bottle of red wine and, and there was never anything left in the bottle at the end of the night now i wouldn't go and get another bottle or i wouldn't go onto the gin or the vodka or whatever it might be or very rarely would i do that but i if i open the bottle the bottle would be gone. And then at the week, it was always preceded by, you know, a four pack of beer. So yeah, and, and, and that was how it was. And like I say, when I say we drunk wine, it was me, I, I drank the red wine. And, and, you know, Becky could open a bottle of rosé and that could last her for three or four days, if ever. Sure. And you know, I, I hope I'm wrong, and I could be wrong. You know, but I think the, the, the word is yet, there's a big yet scales. And you know, I finished the bottle of wine, and I didn't go into the gin or the hard spirits yet. And that's yes. kind of how it was for me in my in my early 20s, I would finish six pack and then that'd be it you know but sooner or later i started to make tra- transition to more and more and, but dan i gotta give you props you're you saw the writing on the wall about six months to a year ago you're like wait a second why the hell am i doing this for one there's a habit in place but you're seeing a spade as a spade is it's an addictive drug so i gotta say kudos to you for that and it sounds like you already had a rule in place <laughs> don't drink mondays and did you have yeah. any other rules in place yes. and, and how did those work no, no, I mean, when I listen to your podcast and people talk about the rules and, um, you know, quite often it's the same ones that come up, you know, I'm only going to drink beer or I'm only going to drink wine or I'm not going to drink on Mondays. To be honest, that the Monday one wasn't ever really a rule of I'm not going, definitely not going to drink on Mondays because occasionally I would. It was just more of a, I tended not to drink on Mondays. And I've always thought in the past, you know, uh, I, I won't drink in the week or I drink at the weekend, you know, the other classic, but I've never actually implemented it. I never, I never got to the point of seeing myself, you know, drinking too much where it would be right okay now i have to have to try to not drink during the week and drink at the weekends i think i never got to that point but when you ask you know what was your drinking habits you see that it was you know subconsciously in that subconscious mind that people talk about you don't drink you don't drink mondays dan and that's how it was with me and i think it's funny when when i when i look at drinking and, and talk about you know thinking about it for a while and eventually getting to the point where i give up when I was younger and I used to smoke, I, I never used to smoke until I was, you know, into my 20s. And the only reason I took it up is because I was working as a chef at the time. And it was the only way you would get a break. But when I started, I started from zero cigarettes a day to 20 cigarettes a day. And then that was me. And in, until it got to the point where I, I realized that actually this is making me feel crap. I'm going to give that up. And it was the same with, you know, the only other drug I've ever done is weed. We used to smoke weed around a friend's house. Lots and lots. We used to smoke it five, six nights a week. We used to go around there. And again, until it got to the point where it was making me feel crap. And then I just gave that up as well. And, and it was almost like, you know, it's taken a lot longer. And there's, you know, there's the habits that have been created. And there's the social acceptance of alcohol for me to get to the point where I'm going, do you know what? This is doing nothing for me. It's adding, it's adding nothing to my life. Then, you know, it's time to stop. You mentioned the word, it's taking a lot longer. And that's a problem with alcohol is that it kills by the centimeter, shall we say, what other drugs will kill by the meter and the kilometer. You see, I'm using my uh, my metric system here for you guys here. <laughs> actually, are you guys on the mile out there? We use the mile out here, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, actually, we use the mile out here. That You know, kilometers is something that is creeping in, but, my, you know, most people my age and older will definitely use the mile. Yeah, it's, man, it's, I think like us, Miramar, and 
uh, Liberia are like the only countries that use whatever metric system we use. That's not called a metric system. Anyways, back on topic. So 66 days ago, was this your first attempt at quitting drinking or did you, you know, you said six months to a year ago, you started to explore that with your mind. When did you first start? In all honesty, this is my very first attempt at stopping drinking and not drinking ever again. One time, probably eight, ten years ago, I, I stopped drinking for January and February. But when I stopped drinking for January and February, I always had in my mind that I was going to start drinking again. In you know, I'd, I'd have a drink on my birthday in March. So this was different. This was a case of you know, a little bit looking a little bit deeper and thinking, actually, do you know what? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to spend the money. I don't want to feel crap. You know, I want to set the example for, you know, for my children growing up. So this is my first attempt at properly giving up drinking. And like I say, before that, it would have just, you know, I had two months where I didn't drink any alcohol at all. But I always knew that I was going to, you know, I wasn't going to stop drinking then. So this was this this was so far and touch would it be the only time I ever, you know, give up for good. Sure. Yeah. And I don't want to you jump to conclusions here, but earlier you said it's 66 days and, and it seems like the days are flying by. It, it, it seems like it, it hasn't been that hard for you. It ha you know what? And again, you know, talking to Becky and other people who are close to me, they're, they're more shocked than I am at how, and you, you don't want to use the word easy. When I, when I listen to your, to your podcast and you read other books and you watch bits and pieces on YouTube, you know, for, for a lot of people, this is the, the hardest thing that they will ever do. And I can completely understand that. But I think with me, and this, this might, you know, this links back to the smoking and when we, when me and my friends used to smoke weed, when it, when it got to the point where I, I felt like, yeah, this is, it's time to, time to stop this, time to quit this. I think I maybe went into it with the right mindset that, and, and helped with reading a couple of books. And I know they get referenced on your podcast all the time, you know, Alan Carr and Annie Grace. Mm -hmm. reading those books it just really it really and I, I didn't read those books until i stopped actually funny enough it just puts it into perspective that you, you don't need this shit you don't need this poison it's, it's adding nothing you know there's no reason whatsoever to keep doing it so yeah it, touch wood at the moment i haven't found it hard at all i haven't found it hard at all and i know that that might you know hopefully people who listen to this you know don't take that the wrong way that it's going to be a piece of cake for everybody but for me, at this point in time, I haven't found it hard at all. I've just, and I've looked at it as a challenge, and I've looked at it as right. You're not drinking now, Dan. What you're going to do? You're going to, you know, you're going to focus more at work. You're going to hit the gym. You're going to swim. You're going to spend better time with the kids. So you, I've, the way I've done it is I've looked at it as a challenge, and and you know, wake up every day, log in to uh, to an app that I use, and um, yeah, that's me done for the day. Dan, I'm so glad I got a guy like you on the podcast. And I would say guy like you, it can be a girl as well, but you said it's, it's been easy so far and it's different for everybody, but it can be easy. There's no requirement. I don't send out questionnaires to people who were interviewed on this podcast. Dan, I think it's been easy for you is because you saw the writing on the wall and you were able to recognize it well before I recognized it, not for you, but for myself and well before yeah. others had recognized it in their life. And I remember going to AA meetings and I heard like the old timers say like, oh, well, you know, I've, I've spilled more alcohol in my shirt than you've drank in your lifetime. You know, it might be true, but you know, the further you go down that progression, and like I said, it's, it's a long, painful progression that kills by the centimeter, the harder it is to quit drinking. And you've heard me say on this podcast, today is the very best day to quit drinking because tomorrow it's just going to be a fraction harder, just a little bit harder. And Dan, it sounds like you recognize this thing, you know, like the cigarettes, like the weed. You said, Hey, I feel like shit. I'm getting addicted to a drug. I want to quit. Does that sound about right? 
Yeah, that sounds that sounds absolutely spot on. And I think that I think all it takes is for someone to actually, you know, rather than just you know glide over what could potentially be an issue or you know poo-poo it and say, oh, it's not a problem. I think sometimes, and I remember having a conversation with a cousin of mine at a family do not long ago, um, my cousin Lisa, and we were talking about it. And I said to her, I said, you know what, I'm just I'm drinking too much, and and uh, yeah, it's, it's beginning to worry me. And we were talking about our family, and we've we've grown up. You know, we got such an amazing family. We've always been really, really close. But we grew up in that environment where it's it's completely the norm. You know, I had my <laughs> she's no longer with us, my grand, but we used to go around there, and I had my first alcoholic drink when I was really small. I don't know if they have it over in the states, but it's um it's called creme de menthe. So it's green. It's like luminous green. It's like a minty liqueur type thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, you know, a family party over there. All the kids would would try a little bit of this creme de menthe. My gran used to crush up ice and it used to be in, in a tiny little, you know, thimble glass and this creme de menthe used to go into it. And, um, you know, we tried this creme de menthe. And, you know, growing up, as we got older, when, when I first started drinking beer on a regular basis, I was with my cousins and my friends and we used to play snooker in his garage and just bottles of beer. So we've always, always come up in that environment. And, um, you know, Again, listening to your podcast when they talk about families and they talk about, you know, alcoholics in their families and the devastation that it caused. We never really had that in our family. We had heavy drinkers and whether they would have progressed to be alcoholics or whether they were alcoholics, it's not for me to say. But I think that growing up, when you're around it all the time and you see it, okay, dad, dad's drinking red wine, but I know that he used to drink whiskey or my mum drinks vodka or my mum drank vodka and grand drank gin. You know, I think, you know, I've always been one of those people who, I'm very happy in my own company and I will sit there and think and, and, you know, just happily just mull things over. And yeah, like I say, that six, six months to a year ago, you just thought, you know what, I don't want to be, I don't want to be 50, 60, 70 years old and drinking a bottle of red wine and then having four gin and tonics or hitting a whiskey hard or anything like that. And, and above all else, and I know that this goes against um, a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, on, on your podcast and, and reading other books, yeah, I put not drinking very, very high up in my priorities, but I don't want I don't want my two boys and the two girls growing up and that, watching me do that. I just don't want them doing that. And you know, I think about when I used to come home after a night out with the boys and pass out on the bathroom floor after having puked, and my poor mum having you know looking under the bathroom floor to see if I'm lying down. I, I can't imagine doing that for for our kids. That just scares the crap out of me. So yeah, so I know I've digressed a little bit there, but I think that's for me. That, that's how it, that's how I came to the point of, of getting to the decision to actually quit for good. No, no, I think you're spot on, and I don't think you went against anything that we've been saying on this podcast. Yeah, it sounds like your priority is to not you know pass out and throw up in front of your kids, which that that would that's not going to happen in sobriety. So it sounds like exactly. your priorities are right on track. And earlier you said, you know, I'm looking at sobriety as a challenge. I get to go to the pool. I get to go do this. Go to running. I get to play. Learn how to play the guitar. It sounds to yeah. me like you're looking at this as an incredible opportunity. Yeah, I, I am. I am. And again, after you know, after reading Alan Carr's book and Annie Grace's book, it just puts things in perspective. And you know, what? it's a really, it's a. I think it's in both books because I know that in Annie Grace's Naked Mind, she talks about having got inspiration from Alan Carr. You know, you never used to have to have a bottle of beer or a bottle of wine to have fun or to do stuff or to, you know just to do stuff, just to enjoy yourself. You never used to have to do that. And um, I think in just in the last 66 days, it's just really quickly it made you realize, yeah, you know, just one of the things, sleep. The way I sleep in the last couple of months is, it sounds like a little thing, but I wake, and it sounds stupid, I wake up in the morning and I feel like I've got a hangover for about 30 seconds because I've had such a deep sleep. 
and you know it's gone it's the 30 seconds it's gone and but you just feel so much better from the moment you know you start your day yeah it's just it's just yeah it's great i love it <laughs> so i do i look at it as a challenge and you know when i was before i stopped drinking i went up to and you know i worked this out for your american audience the 242 pounds which is about 17 stone over here in the uk <laughs> there we go the stones however the hell that works <laughs> i know so i went up to 242 pounds and just in the in the couple of months that i've stopped drinking I've gone down to 223, I think it is, which weirdly, if you work it out, uh, how many calories a bottle of red wine is, if you add up how many calories I would have been drinking in alcohol, as opposed to calories burning, it works out pretty much the exact weight difference. Wow. So I know, it's just, it's really, that's kind of freaked me out a bit when I looked at that. But, you know, that wouldn't have been possible if I was drinking a bottle of red wine at night. Sure, I'd have been getting up in the morning. I would not have that hangover because I'm so used to drinking a bottle of red wine. But I had that lethargy that, you know, I'm tired. Then you get home from work and I'm on my feet all day doing fitness and health with kids. I get home from work and I just want to sit down on the sofa. Now I get home from work, make a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And then I just head down to the gym for, for a workout or, you know, a swim. And I don't spend hours down there. I spend about 45 minutes down there, come back and then that's me done. That is incredible. I can't believe the weight in, in the weight of the wine that just came off in, in only 66 short days. That is so cool. And now you mentioned sleep. Yeah, it's a, it's a small thing. You know, it's like 33% of our lives. It's 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 a big yeah. thing. But it's all these little things coming home from work and not having the, the lethargy like you mentioned, having a cup of tea, then going to the gym. It's all these small things that add up to something huge. And that's just the, the, the sober lifestyle, which can be quite amazing. And yeah, it can be hard for me. It was the hardest thing I've ever have to do. And and Dan, hopefully that's not the case for you. But how, how, how have you done it? You know, how even though it hasn't been that hard for you, you still probably had to go through day one, two, three, just like the rest of us. And have you had cravings yeah. and how have you done it? Yeah. I mean, I think when I say that, you know, I haven't, I haven't found it hard. I think I haven't found it as hard as some people that you listen to or some people that you read about. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are still days now where I think I'd love a beer or I'd love a wine. I think the thing that I do is I try not, I try not to focus on it too much. And I know, you know, that, that that's not the same for everyone, but I think, if you if you focus on it 24/7 or if you're focusing on focusing on it for a really large portion of your day if you're anything like me you'll end up you'll think about it you'll think about it or you'll be lying in bed and you can't get to sleep you'll think about it you'll think about it so what i've done is i've just you know i, I make sure that i you know use this app um, called sobergrid and i just log onto that in the morning they've got like a feed on there and you can read a few articles and they've got an inspiration thing and that helps I tend not to listen to the radio in the car anymore. I have podcasts on. So whether that's your podcast or a different podcast about something completely and utterly different, I just I do that as well. And then sometimes I'll hold my hand up, I'll bore the crap out of Becky or I'll bore the crap out of, you know, um, our neighbours who is Becky's sister. And I'll talk about it. And, you know, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel proud. And when people tell you, what, you're giving up for how long? Nine, 10 weeks, nine weeks, whatever it is. It just make, it does make you feel good. So yeah, that's that's how I tend to do it, and I just I, I try not to. And again, this is in the books that I read. I try not to look at it as a sacrifice, and much more as a yeah. I don't need it. I don't want it. Um, I'm happier happier doing this as I as the way I am. And you know, I've been since I gave since I gave up. I've been to wedding or I've been to a wedding. We've been out, and for 99 percent of that time, it has not been a problem. It hasn't been it hasn't been a problem. And I suppose if there's one thing that anybody listening to this um, can take out of it is that. Yeah, if you if you if you have that right mindset, if you go in with the right mindset, it won't make it easy, but it will make it easier. 
And if I could summarize Alan Carr, the, the easy way to stop drinking, which is actually the, the Cafe Ari Book Club book of the month, I think, for November. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a pretty cool book. And, and, and Annie Grace, This Naked Mind, it's what you just said. It's a shift in mindset and look at it as an opportunity and not a sacrifice, which is, which is key. It's pivotal. Now, Dan, with 66 Days of Sobriety, what's, what's on your bucket list in sobriety besides playing the guitar with those sausage fingers? <laughs> Do you know what? At, at this point in time, I, I really, I really want to focus on my business, on my work, because I, I haven't, I have not been focused enough on that to make it a huge success. But also looking at ways I could improve that, and and providing some accountability for myself. What I would really love to do in the future is, I know you've got an amazing podcast, and it's helped you know me and, and thousands of others. But, Thanks for listening, Dan. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. But do you know what I would love to do? I'd love to do something either on YouTube or whatever it might be, where there can be something for people like us that is just really, really focused on the positives of giving up alcohol. I can't, I can't speak for any other drug. You know, I can't speak for anything else that you know people get addicted to because I have no experience with it. But I'd love to do something in the future that um, people could just click and watch or click and listen to or read a blog post where you just, you know, there's plenty of places where you, there's amazing help out there for people who have, you know, are really deep into the addiction where they can get help. I think what I'd like to be able to do is is maybe inspire those people who are a bit more like me who hadn't got to the point where it was ruining their life, but know that they should really quit the booze because it's not doing anything for them. And whether that's in some sort of silly YouTube channel or whatever, I haven't decided, but I'd love to do something like that in the future. Do it. I think that'd be great. I think you'd be very good at it. I can hear you articulate with your words. Yeah, you, you go for it, man. That, that sounds like a great idea. And if you ever do, let me know. And so I can mention it on the air. And, you know, people can find out where that is. And so yeah, Dan, with 66 days of sobriety, how are you going to get day 67? What's your plan moving forward? Again, like, like I said earlier, I'll, I'll get up in the morning. I'll have breakfast. I'll have a shower, brush my teeth. I'll log into, into the app. And then, I, you know, I, I, I try not to think about it too much. I try not to think about it. I think about other things. I, 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 obviously, without the alcohol, I can focus at work much better. You know, improve relationships, whatever relationships they might be. Yeah, I think with me, because I didn't have that, that social element of drinking anymore. I mean, don't get me wrong. We used to go, when we were younger, we would go out and we'd be out four or five nights a week in the local town. I was always the, the knobhead who, who ended up, you know, falling asleep on the bridge or whatever it might be. You know, I've had that time. Stag do's, when I think back to the stag do's and, oh man, you know, some of the stuff, you know, falling into a canal in the middle of winter in Amsterdam. Those days are long gone and they, they've been long gone. <laughs> I know, no, but those days are longer. But I was always that that guy who was, you know, who who would just drink and drink and drink and drink and drink until I either puked or passed out. Those days have long gone. So for me, it was really stopping drinking at home. And if I stop drinking at home, I don't drink anywhere else. So on a day to day basis, it's just, it's just not, you know, I'd say to myself, I'm not going to have a drink today. And that's and that's not too bad because I'm I'm at home most of the time, you know, in the evenings. So I and uh, you know, definitely, definitely going to keep. I'll be honest with you, Paul. I think the exercise and the swimming is far more likely to succeed than the guitar playing at this stage. But <laughs> uh, I think I'm better, I'm better at exercising and swimming than I am at, um, at, at playing guitar. But I'll, I'll keep cracking on with that. That B minor seventh chord is a doozy. Just keep that in mind when you when you when you get to that point. See, when you start adding the seventh thing to the, I mean that completely blows me. I'm gone. I know a B minor, but then if you add a seventh to it, I literally have no clue where to go. <laughs> so there's. The way I learned it, there's eight notes, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. The seventh is you just take the eighth and go down a half step to the seventh, or actually a full step to the seventh. 
Yeah, we're learning all kinds of fun things on this podcast. I appreciate, I appreciate you trying there, but you could have been speaking in Swahili for all right. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned earlier, like, yeah, I'm at home. I'm just not worried about drinking today. Keyword today. It sounds like you've got the right mindset to kick some major ass in recovery here. And Dan, what's your thought on relapse, man? What happens if day 80 you trip up? Again, do you know, I haven't, I haven't really thought about it. I, well, no, that's not true. I have thought about it if I drank again. For example, when I was at, when I was at the wedding, which was probably sort of you know, halfway through, so a month or so ago, it would have been so easy for me to just leave the car there and just have a few beers. And I think what I, what I, what I said to myself at the time was, I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning and have to start again or even choose to start again. So for me, it's I, thinking about a relapse. Um, it, I suppose it's always in the back of your mind. But I don't worry about it. I don't. I don't worry about it. Um, just purely for the fact that I think that at this point, referring back to the books, I've, I've. I think it's the Alan Carr one when he talks about killing the big monster, and in the Annie Grace one, she talks about the subconscious mind. I think just really my subconscious mind has changed so much in that short period of time that I tend not. To, I tend not to worry too much about it at the moment. I think if I get to the point where you know I take my eye off the ball and I and you know I don't really have any focus on it at all, then I think I probably worry about it a bit more. But, you know, the thought of Christmas coming up and drinking, you know, it doesn't even register at them at this point in time. It doesn't even register as a worry for me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, that you know, thinking about relapse, I suppose the, the short answer after I've rambled on for two minutes is that if I relapse at this point, I'll just start again. Great answer. And for those listening right now, this this podcast should come out in you know mid-November. The holidays are approaching. You shouldn't worry yeah. about the holidays because they're not here yet. If it's November 20th and you're worried about Thanksgiving, don't worry about it. It's because Thanksgiving is not today. Christmas is not today. New Year's, New Year's Day is not today. So it's not a big deal. And like you just mentioned, Dan, if you do drink, just get back on it. Just start again. It's not that big of a deal. And, Dan, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? I am. Number one, Dan, what is a knobhead? <laughs> A dickhead. Oh, okay. I heard that earlier. Yes. I wrote it down on my notepad. I'm like, hmm, yeah. knobhead. I think yeah. I know what this means. I'm pretty sure I've been one many times, but I want clarification. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, dickhead, yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Next question. What was your worst memory from drinking? I thought about this one because there could have been so many, but I think this one, this refers to the holidays. We used to have a tradition of going out on Christmas Eve, and we used to get hammered. Now, my worst memory from drinking was waking up on Christmas morning many years ago now and the first thing i had to do on christmas morning was go outside and clear up the mess i've made from being sick on my way home from from new year's eve out the out the bedroom window all down the kitchen window by far the worst memory i've got oh god next question we've all heard of the aha moment when was your oh shit moment indicating uh oh this might not be on the right track yeah this is a silly one really because it wasn't i wasn't drunk i'd had one beer and i'd finished playing golf with um three of my cousins and we'd sat down and we had a beer afterwards and I was driving, and I've never, never, ever drunk and, and, and drove. And I'd had a beer, and uh, my cousin was going up to get another, another drink. He said, do you want another one? I said, I'll have another beer. And he looked at me, and he said, you're driving, aren't you? And I think that moment there was one of those, uh. just one of the silly things where you go, yeah, I am driving. If I have another beer, that's going to put me over the limit. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. that was just a weird moment that got me thinking even more. Now, you've mentioned the app, the Sober Grid. That's, a, that's an app. You mentioned This Naked Mind by Andy Grace, Alan Carr, The Easy Way to Stop Drinking. What are some other resources you like in recovery? 
just you know obviously you, your podcast is something i listen to every week it's out and other podcasts i try and i try and search around i know there's the sober guy podcast which i listen to and there's a couple of a couple of other bits and pieces but really really it's reading i enjoy reading about it i enjoy reading about the mindset involved to, to giving up and, and people's different views so i think what i do is just you know i know that you've got a reading list on your website haven't you um mm. so i think I'll, I'll just carry on working my way through those and i think that that links back to i won't do that every day but I think that I will, I will try and read maybe a book a month or something like that. Yeah, yeah, there's some great titles on there. And just like you mentioned, you know, it's if you lose focus and you kind of you forget about it, that's when the unconscious mind will start to take a beating just with all the commercials, the advertisements, you see other people drinking. But just reading a book once a month is just going to keep it in the forefront and realize, oh, yeah, I'm not drinking. And next question, in regards to sobriety, Dan, what's the best advice you've ever received? <laughs> this is an easy one, this is. I think you word it slightly different. In the books, they call it, they just say alcohol is poison. And I think what you say is alcohol is shit. Alcohol is and shit, I, Dan. Yeah, that's it. And honestly, when it, that, that's what got me through the wedding. When Because it wasn't the evening, because by the got to the evening, everyone was dancing, having fun, including me. But then there was a few idiots out there who were absolutely hammered. It was that first, when we first got there, the first beer, I thought I could really do with one of those. And then I just told myself, alcohol is shit. And then that was it. So it's great advice, that is. Yeah. And what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about getting sober or are already doing it? I think just from my point of view, the only advice I can give is, is what worked for me. And then just from, from day one, start to focus on, on it as a challenge and the benefits of it. Um, don't, don't focus on what you're giving up. Don't focus on how hard anything's going to be. Just from day one, minute one, focus on, on the benefits of giving it up. What's it gonna, how's it going to make your life better? I love it. And before we go, Dan, give listeners your customizer. You might be an alcoholic if line. This is, I think this is, again, going back to me, I think you might have a problem with alcohol or be an alcoholic if you drink for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah. So not a celebration, not a sporting event, um, not a birth, not a wedding, whatever it might be. If you sit there and drink at night when you're watching crap TV and you're drinking a bottle of red wine, I think that, you know, I think you need to have a little think because it's, for what reason? Yep, I totally agree. That works. Dan, thank you so much for joining us and helping me stay sober today. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Well, cheers, mate. On November 10th, just 10 days ago, registration for the Peru Recovery Elevator Retreat opened up. And wow, not only did it open up, it's two-thirds full at this moment. That trip is going to be capped at 15 people. We are almost there already. So if you want to get in on this trip of a lifetime, go to recoveryelevator.com and register. And here is my gratitude list. It's really in no particular order. And there are probably some big things that I left off. But I started to jot some things down three to four days before I recorded this podcast episode. And again, it uplifted my spirits each time the pen hit the paper. Number one on this list, I'm thankful for my sobriety. No matter where you are on your own journey, this also needs to be at the top of your list. I mentioned earlier to be cognizant, to be thankful of things that we take for granted. And I'm thankful for my two knees. I've had shoulder surgeries, but knock on wood, my knees are good up to this moment. I'm thankful for peace on this planet. Despite what we see on the media and the news outlets, this is the most peaceful time ever on the history of the planet. I know that's hard to believe. I'm thankful for my progress. Episode 118, I talked about my depression, my struggles with depression. Becoming unstuck is tough, and it doesn't happen overnight, but I'm so thankful for my progress. I'm thankful for Third Eye Blind, and more specifically, the song Semi-Charm Kind of Life. 
I'm thankful for the emotion compassion. I'm thankful for 80s ski films like the movie Ski Patrol. I'm thankful for the delicious dessert called flan. I'm thankful for surprises. Life would get pretty darn boring without surprises. Just ask Bill Murray. I'm thankful for thumbs. Now, some of these things might seem silly. I'm not trying to be silly with this list. I'm really thankful for my thumbs. And for you, toothpaste, I want to express my gratitude. By the time the founding fathers of the U.S. were in their 70s and 80s, including Jefferson, Washington, Adams, and Franklin, they were all near or totally toothless. I'm thankful for saliva. Can you imagine eating saltines without saliva? Oh yeah, side note. When I hit three years of sobriety, I made it a goal to take life less seriously. My list is going to reflect that. I had a good time making this list, and I am thankful for all of them. So the next thing on my list is aglets. I actually didn't know a name really existed for this, but these are the things on the end of shoelaces. My estimates show that about 44% of relapse can be attributed to a malfunctioning aglet or a lace that is missing an aglet. I'm thankful for scissors. Ever try to get a pair of scissors out of its packaging without the pair of scissors? It sucks. I'm thankful for smiles. Remember when you were a kid and everyone just smiled at you? I'm thankful for all those smiles. I'm thankful for gratitude. Now, think about this for a quick second. Think about a world full of the opposite of gratitude and imagine the ugliness of that world. I'm thankful for zippers. Sorry, buttons and snaps. You guys are cool, but zippers are way better. I'm thankful for air conditioning. I was recently in Puerto Rico after the hurricane, and I spent a couple nights without air conditioning. I know, poor me, but it was pretty damn hot. I'm thankful for my HP, my higher power. With my HP, everything is going to be all right. I'm thankful for people in customer service who are good at their jobs. I'm thankful for a good gift. I'm thankful for the book The Giving Tree by Shel Silverstein. I'm thankful for the dimmer switch on the light in my bathroom. I'm thankful I haven't stepped on a Lego barefoot in probably 30 years. Damn, that was painful. I'm thankful for clothes hangers that have the slots for tank tops. Yeah, I'm sadly phasing out of my tank top days, but man, those hangers are nice to have. Now, if you were hoping this podcast episode contains tips and tricks of how to stay sober during the holidays, just go 144 minus 52. You'll find a year ago I did that podcast episode. And then go 144 minus 52 minus 52 again, and you'll find another series on Thanksgiving. Man, it's pretty cool these podcast episodes are starting to pile up like this. Okay, Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this. Thank you.